now Jose Uturi, and we're going to talk about translation, which gives me the opportunity to tell you my favourite ever story about anything ever as Jose makes his way up. We, Tony Blair used to think that he was a very good French speaker, and he wasn't a bad French speaker at all. And he went to the European Union once to address the uh, as people assembled there and, and, and insisted he would speak in French. So he drafted his own speech and he spoke in French. It was all going extremely well and it was being translated simultaneously by all the people to their national governments. And it all was fine until he said something about Lionel Jospin, the French Prime Minister, who was notorious for his politically manoeuvring around. You're never quite sure whether what he said yesterday will be the same as he said today. And the Prime Minister thought he said words to the effect that I commend you for your ability to move around so well. It was only when all the translators burst into hysterical <laughs> laughter that we realised something had gone very, very badly wrong. And afterwards, we said to them, what, what did he say? And he said, I'd like to take you in very many different positions. <laughs> Which was a lot better than the speech was in truth. Jose here is a senior Spanish interpreter at the European Commission's DG for Interpretation. And he's, over the years, he's interpreted all sorts of speech. He's going to talk to us about how we cope with that, how we cope with moving from one language to the other. Jose. Um, I'm not going to talk to you only about that. I usually work in a booth with uh, headphones and the microphone. But I also animate seminars. Seminars like, like this one. For commission officials and member states officials who now and then have to address speech in front of a multilingual audience. I'm going to show you a few slides of the kind of difficulties any multilingual audience may have with any given speaker. For this, I need to show a few, a few slides. Um, but I think it's, I'm not sure how this thing works. Let me, let me begin by asking you something. What do you think interpreting is all about? Working in a cage with a headphone and microphone. It is about, if I told you, it is about repeating words. Would you agree with me? No? No? Are you sure? Give me another option. Conveying meaning. Exactly, exactly. Coming, allowing people to come to terms. Again? Allowing people to come to terms. Well, allowing people to come to terms, conveying meaning. The reason why I always begin my seminars with this, this question is that many people actually think that interpreting is about repeating word by word from one language into the other. Let me show you the kind of things people say when they do this. 
¿Podéis explicarme? ¿Medias? Here. Someone from Germany speaking. Any ideas? Coming in the wrong direction. Exactly. Someone from Finland. Any ideas? Was it a good text? A bad text? It was, it was written quickly? Slowly? <laughs> Now, just to give you an example of the kind of things may happen when you just repeat words from one language into the other. Now, like I said, interpreting is not about repeating words. It's about conveying meaning. Now, what interpreters are taught in the school is the following thing. This is what interpreting is about. Just, just for a second, take a look at these four intellectual activities in an isolated way. It's not very difficult, is it? Listening. Then extracting the main elements of the message. Then using your language skills to put this message from one language into the other. And then, and only then, you open your mouth. Now, this, if you take these four intellectual sequences in an isolated way, they are not very difficult. In spite, in spite of what many people may think. The difficulty <laughs> comes from this. <laughs> yeah. The difficulty comes from the fact that you have to assemble four things quickly. But once you have communication skills, analytical skills and language knowledge, it is a question of it is like a car. Do you remember the first time you had to drive a car? All the things you had you had to assemble at the same time? The mirror, the, the, the clutches, this and this. How do you drive a car now? How do you assemble all these things? For me it's the same thing. Once you have once I have the basic skills It's a question of practice. Now, I always begin the seminar this way. Then what I usually do is I put all the participants in the booth. People, people like you, people who are not interpreters, just regular people. And I deliver a very, a very bad speech. I do all the wrong things you can imagine. Then a colleague of mine comes from the English booth with this beautiful Oxbridge accent, <laughs> and uh, she does all the right things. And we try to drive the participants to understand the main difficulties anyone can have with the audience. And these are three. <laughs> 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 
I owe you an explanation. So I'm going to do something I have never tried before. I have distributed three speeches to more, more or less everybody with different layouts. Now, no need to understand German or anything. Just 30 seconds to the speeches.
He knew the audience. He's actually speaking with people who don't speak his language. He's used to addressing an audience working in second or third language. Exactly. The Greek was not speaking in Greek, but because he spends three or four weeks, two, I don't know, in Brussels, he's used to speaking all the time in, in English. And the last one was death. Because his natural comfort zone, his natural linguistic comfort zone, was not English. He spends all his life in, in Denmark. And this is the point I want to make. You may not realize this, but in my experience, when it comes to using English, you have here a core group of 300 million people. People like you. People who are very homogeneous from any linguistic point of view. All have English as a mother tongue. Now, beyond this group, you have another one. <laughs> and here you have 900 million people. Now, most of the interaction in English outside here will take place among people in here. And the reason why I show you this is that the further away you are from this or the more difficult it is to take advantage of this very good professional teaching advice. People who don't feel comfortable with the language tend to, tend to speak like this. And this is the problem I have in my seminars. How about this so far? This is the first time I present something in front of a group of PhDs. So my fullback solution for I don't know if you have a solution for this. People who are here and need to communicate. If you if you find a solution, let me know and I'll buy I'll buy your lunch. <laughs> the agent. <laughs> the people in the middle need to get out more. Fair enough. Get a better understanding of the wider experience of their own language. Fair enough. Okay. People in the middle can use a slower pace, as Phil said, but also a more standardized register. The agency. I have a solution. I have reading speech and not, and not anything to see. Okay. Okay, it's actually very easy. You, you construct the language in a way that, that is, is built up on phrases. We do not communicate by single words, we communicate by phrases. If you write your text in those phrases, you can glance the text, understand it, it goes into your brain, it comes out through your understanding, therefore you can maintain eye contact simply by glancing the script, delivering that phrase that you've understood as coming from you. 
then you can actually read a script that you've never seen before and not send people to see it. Even for people here, even for those who have English as a third or fourth language. But then you have to use the language that also, what I call globish, which is a very simple form of language and only 1500 words only. And the, the, the Greek script here, for example, is a very good example of how not to use language. Words like multimodal, interoperable, environmentally friendly, and so on. Um, so that will never work. So you have to use a very simple form of the English language and then read it in the way that I described. Okay, so my fallback solution in these cases is the following. If you must read something and you have interpretation, give a copy, give a copy to the interpreters. This way we know what is happening. And we can improve the communication for those who are listening to the interpretation please. So this is the first problem which I encountered. People very far away from this core group <coughs> purely reading texts. Second problem. Uh -huh. Now, <laughs> yeah. this is not a particular problem of the commission. It's a, a generalized problem. <coughs> The problem in the commission is that, uh, I don't know, there are about what, 50 meetings every day, let's say 10 PowerPoint presentations per meeting, <laughs> or, uh, I don't know, two, two, three, presentations every day, and this is the kind of thing you can find. <laughs> so usually, someone sitting, technician sitting, and reading through this. <laughs> so, just for you to know, this is the second problem we encounter. And the third one, and I shall finish with this, is the most, the more sensitive one. When I have to deliver a seminar, I always begin the language teaching with this question. Imagine that I have here a group of, I don't know, German, French, Italian, Spanish officials. They are living in Brussels or in Geneva or in Frankfurt, and they are used to communicating in English. And I ask them, if you have a choice in any given meeting to speak in English or use your mother tongue, What would, be, what would be your choice? What, what do you think most people will say? My How many people think my mother tongue? More than half. How many people think English? Three. Four. That's a funny thing. Around, every time I ask this question, around two thirds which they prefer to speak in English. Even though they are not here. They may be here or here or here. Or here. For two reasons. 
If you use the same language as your audience, the, the language that your audience can understand, you can keep control of the message. You don't have to depend from someone in the booth who you don't know how good he is. The second reason is that it is much easier to create an interaction if you can contact directly your audience. These are the two reasons why most officials will prefer to use English. Now, when I began, and I shall finish with this full I shall finish by now. Uh, so instead of telling people what to do, what I do is give examples of the kind of difficulties any given audience may have when the speaker is using English as a second or a third language. We're going to play a game for two minutes. It is called Spot the World. Now, you are going to see here a certain number of examples given to me by my English colleagues. They are examples of things people say in English. In every sentence, you have to explore the wrong word. And you have to correct it. But you have to do it very quickly. Because the speaker, when he speaks, in his mind, everything is very clear. So he is not going to wait for you. Just two slides. Ready? OK. One. Oh, he meant red tape. He knew there was something with red. <laughs> Next one. <laughs> Next one. Two words. Two, 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 two. Training. 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 <laughs> Last one, last one, last one. <laughs> someone from Finland, someone from Finland. Search. 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 Okay, last example. Chama from Italy. This is one, two. Someone from Spain. Oh, no, no, someone from Paris. You are. You know it. You
Madam Chair, we have checked all the Elachterausch in the north of Spain. Madam Chair, all the Elachterausch in the north of Spain comply with the hygiene legislation. Maximum three seconds. Three seconds trying to make out the minimum. If in three I don't get it, and I will continue, this is what I will do because this is the way I've been trained. tonight, I will send a lot of, of material to, to Brian. You may or may not read it. <laughs> I will never know. 
So what I'm interested in is that I, when I leave this room in 10 seconds, you take this idea with you. The quality of the interpretation always depends on the quality of the speaker. But there is something more to it. If the interpreter is having difficulties in understanding a joke, this thing about uh, the score and German English diplomacy thing, if the interpreter is having difficulties in understanding, there is a huge chance that those in the audience listening to the speaker will have the same or even bigger difficulties. So take this idea with you, and I will have achieved my task today. Thank you very much.